Welcome to Off Screen Let's Get Cinematic. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. But of course, boom from the couch because we're all still on lockdown. The world shows no signs of returning to normal. All hope is lost. But hey, at least we've got cinema, eh? That's a cheery start to the day, Van. I like to keep <laughs> things upbeat, Bex. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I think it's not too bad. Like, you know, we're seeing loads of great movies kind of moving onto the couch and onto our small screens. And our TVs at home are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's not all bad, is it? It's, it's true. It's true. And of course, uh, digital, the digital market, be a boom booming right now we're getting loads of titles that are being shunted to do to uh, digital platforms uh, rather than, than theatrical ahead of dvd and, and blu-ray so they're actually going straight to digital platforms. we've got three this week that are going there first and one of them actually has been delayed for three years due to of all things wow me too effectively so interestingly we're working in the rule of threes here today you're going to review things in three words as well i mean i'm really excited about this could be a really short podcast <laughs> well how do you how do you review rebel in the rye which is finally released three years later other than to give it the three words kevin spacey returns uh make of that ominous wow. chill what you will yeah so the reason obviously this is this is the whole thing because you remember that movie tolkien with nicholas holt yeah well that wasn't yeah. the only one of those he did nicholas holt also played jd salinger in rebel in the rye you know jd Sandra, who wrote Catcher in the Rye. This is yep. his story. So, Nicholas Holt, in the space of about a year, played two iconic authors. This, of course, being the story of J.D. Salinger, his uh, his upbringing, how he fought in the war, and, of course, how he came to find his roots as a writer. There is nothing more sacred than story. How does that sound, Mr. Salinger? Through the course of my fascinatingly dull life... I've always found fiction more truthful than reality. I write short stories. Have you been published? You're not the first wise-ass I've taught. Can't stand all these flits and phonies. So what do I do now? You're a writer. What do you think you do now? Write another story. And then another one after that. How is writing a real profession? And then another one after that! I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Maybe you're not. I'm wondering if uh, Nicholas Holt is actually doing a bit of a Robert Pattinson here. He's going for the lower budget, Mm. sort of more interesting movies, building up his craft, getting a bit more well-known as a serious actor, moving away from X-Men, things like that. And then we're going to see him take on a massive role in the future, a highly anticipated role. I, I, think, I think that's we where will. His, his... Yeah, I think we will, yeah. definitely. Uh, this is, uh, I would say, like, you can make the comparison to, to Pattinson. I think Holt is far more sugary a performer uh, in terms of his role choices than than Pattinson is. Something like Rebel in the Right, and indeed Tolkien had this, this as well, which does have that cookie-cutter, boilerplate biopic sensibility. Kevin Spacey, you know, if we don't think about the real world side of Kevin Spacey is, you know, finding this, he's typical Kevin Spacey mentor role. Uh, there's a role in there for Victor Garber, which always makes me happy as well. Uh, I thought this was generally perfectly fine. I wouldn't describe it as an amazing film in the same way that I wouldn't have described Tolkien as either. Is the idea of the life of J.D. Salinger actually interesting enough to kind of keep your attention for a couple of hours? Well, to be honest, I'm not overly familiar with Salinger outside of Catcher in the Rye. And so it, it had, for me, it was all about okay I'm just watching a biopic of an iconic author I 
had no real attachment to the author or his work. It's not like Tolkien, where you know you, you we've had decades mm. of you know being obsessed with Lord of the Rings that there is something inherently interesting in there. Um, worth checking out, I would say, if you want a sort yeah. of cheap, if you want a nice, cheap and cheerful cookie cutter Sunday afternoon biopic, easy to watch film, easy yeah. to watch. Yeah, watch it with your parents. How many thumbs are you going to give it? I'm going to. I'll give it one because it's it, it's it's fine. It's a great great baseline, middle of the road. Very type, middle of the yeah, road. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, let's move on. We've got another. We've got another. As Rebel in the Rye sounds beautiful, we've got Edge of Extinction as well. So carrying on. For which I got to say, the title is cooler than the film. Uh, this is a sort uh, of low-scale British film. It's obviously been made uh, unreasonably on the cheap. Post-apocalyptic fare. You've got to sort of wander a character who's surviving in the British countryside, you know, foraging and avoiding people at all costs. It's, it's basically like a British Mad Max. You know, everyone's gone feral. And uh, teams up with survivors and faces a whole new level of threat that comes upon them. You know how these these sort of you know tribal savages type tales kind mm. of kind of work. Uh, this one is very gritty, Anyone? very British. Not really any known talent. Oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, again, you'd expect if this was out in the cinemas, it's really good if you can kind of catch this on digital. But if it was out in cinemas, it probably wouldn't get that much of a viewing Mm. audience because no one to kind of hold the title for it, no one to, um, you know, to really push this with their star power. So it's really interesting to see that this might get more of an audience. Although middle of the road, there is like a Mad Max audience out there that just likes to see those type of movies they might pick this one up. Well, I believe it's from, I believe it's the second film from the director of The Dead Inside. Uh, so he obviously has a, a very specific sensibility and that is adhered to here. He's very much a, a, a grisly zombie film, but again, made on the cheap and, you know, I mean, it has that look of a can film that's Can you feel it? Made. Can you feel the cheapness? Yeah, yeah you can, okay, you can, you can feel those £200 4K cameras, you know, sort of faux oh. 4K cameras that they do. You know, the ones that aren't actually 4K but they just add all the digital grain. Those, you can you can feel that all the way those through. Um, much better fairing though, and I will say this is the best of the three films put on digital this week, is and it's being called in the UK Killer Instinct. Now I know it from you know everywhere else in the world where it's referred to as Tone Deaf. Now it has a terrible poster with an awful photoshopped version of Robert Patrick, uh, but it's the story of a uh, a bratty millennial played by Amanda Crew, who you might remember from uh, Charlie St. Cloud with Zac Efron. Uh, I know her primarily from Silicon Valley and the movie Sex Drive because that's my go-to film for any scenario. And uh, she is a bratty bratty millennial who you sort of loses her job, boyfriend walks out on her, she decides she's going to go and stay outside of LA. She's going to go and clear her head, so she gets an Airbnb be that's this sort of you know nice old house and she goes to to stay there and she meets the guy that owns it and he's a sort of cranky i think he might have alzheimer's it's sort of hinted that he might have alzheimer's a widower a sort of boomer who's decided he wants to indulge his murderous side and he's going to kill everyone who stands for everything he disagrees with which guess what turns out includes millennials as you can see edith had rather eccentric tastes i'm a more simple man myself She just recently passed away. But she'd be happy to know that her little slice of heaven is bringing somebody else joy. Sorry for your loss. Got my money? Yeah. Sixty more. We agreed on 500. You'll get it back. It's just a precaution in case you make a mess. Can I just Benmo you? Benmo? Robert Patrick and Amanda Crew there. That's 
a pretty good pairing, to be honest, for me. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, I feel like you've been uh, moving up and up and up in your recommendations <laughs> this week already on these three. I, I, it feels like I get that in, instinct that you, you like Killer Instinct. Uh, Killer Instinct, Tone Deaf. I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure which one to go with. I'm going to go with the, with Tone Deaf anyway, but we'll, we'll have to keep referring to it as, to, as Killer Instinct for the blog purposes. But um, the, the, right, the, it has issues. Now, first of all, it is a very sharp film in that way that something like Cheap Tricks is. But at the same time, it wants some of that uh, don't breathe money but it wants to do it a lot more comedically and a lot more satirically now the problem with that is when it's trying to take itself seriously and trying to get you know Amanda Crew's character fixed as the sort of audience POV point she's overshadowed rather heftily by how good Robert Patrick always is Robert Patrick is, you know, he he comes with an innate level of nostalgia anyway because of the Terminator series, uh, because of, you know, uh, uh, roles in Scorpion and the unit and things like that. So we're sort of inclined culturally to just gravitate towards uh, Robert Patrick. He doesn't disappoint. He absolutely swings for it. It's a bit meta at times. There's a truly hallucinogenic sort of dance sequence in it. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking. It's only 87 minutes long, though. It's got some sharp barbs. It's got some great moments of Amanda Crew walking around telling people off for cultural appropriation and being woke, <laughs> being woke enough for people being to woke, want to kill yeah. her. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> it's one of those. Who's go- who's going to enjoy? Who's going to enjoy this movie? Just quickly. I think you'd enjoy it. So, you know, sort of, I, I, I think, to be honest, anyone sort of sat at home. Are you feeling that I'm really like right on. <laughs> I, I feel like anyone sort of above any, anyone sort of vaguely woke would uh, would find it amusing. I think to be honest, because it is that brilliant sort of piercing of the the okay boomer sort of subculture. I think there's a lot of fun to be had there. But anyway, most people who have Twitter accounts would enjoy it. Okay, fair enough. So you've got three big movies out on digital as of Monday. You've got Rebel in the Rye, Edge of Extinction and Killer Instinct. Something for everyone there and some things to avoid as well. But take your pick. We'll be coming up next with your movies on TV. And we're back on your small screen for the movies on TV. So if you haven't got lots of digital platforms in which to watch things on, do not worry because we've got everything available to you on Freeview. So we're going to kick off with your Saturday night. The thing to kick off your weekend is going to be Time Cop on Sony Movies, 9pm. Please tell me this is something you grew up watching, Van. Oh, I loved Time Cop when I was a kid. Just the the opening sequence (laughs) when you've got the old-timey prospects and they're being like raided by a dude with Uzis, like laser-sighted Uzis. That is great to me. Um, I'm a fan of this in general. I think I've told, I think I told Paul Ross recently that I consider Time Cop to be the last great Van Damme movie. Uh, because yeah, it directly yeah. follows, I think a year earlier we had Hard Target, which is the Van Damme movie, and then there's I think this in second place. Where where Van Damme's career would go from this is just unfortunately tragic, because I think he just stopped trying when it came to the Well, script. it's the cause beer, isn't it? Straight it, it after is. this. Totally I was wondering when, when he started making snow angels in the mountains. <laughs> um, it probably was straight after Time Cop. I really enjoyed this mm. film. I think, again, I'm kind of built, rebuilding or revisiting my back catalogue of, um, you know, those old school movies that from the 90s, like early 90s through to the end mm. of that kind of decade that really kind of don't age. 1994, I think this was. This was an adaptation yep. of a Dark Horse comic, stars Van Damme as Kit Walker, a widowed time cop who's literally sent to police time, uh, all of which apparently starts because someone stole one prototype. Now, bear in mind, they did turn that into a TV series a couple of years ago called Timeless as well, so one prototype can apparently 
apparently cause a problem. Uh, Van Damme goes back in time to thwart the efforts of a maniacal senator who is trying to manipulate the timeline so that he can claim the White House. And his justifications might sound eerily familiar in 2020. Give me the envelope. Thank you. The country's gone down the drain because of the special interests. We need someone in the White House who's so rich, doesn't have to listen to anybody. What's that? The senator was having a fundraiser. When I'm in office, it's going to be like the 80s again. Top 10% will get richer. The other 90% can emigrate to Mexico where they can live a better life. So, Agent Walker, you're going to stay. I think you plan too far ahead. Obviously you don't. Ron Silver there as, let's just say, proto-Trump. Worthwhile, wouldn't you say? Did we say this was Sony Movies? Yeah, this is on Sony Movies. This is 9pm. 9, 9 a really nice time, actually, to kick off your Saturday night because it's not too late, but it kind of you can get sort of the older kids who you want to introduce to this to kind of watch it totally. with you as well. So yeah. it's a really nice one. So, yeah, that's your Saturday night sorted. Moving straight on to Sunday. It's going to be fast. It's going to be furious. It is Rush on Film 4 at 11 You mean it's not a fucking furious film after that build-up? <laughs> Well, I know. Sorry to disappoint people, but it does. I mean, you know, it's got a heartthrob in it. If, you, if, if The Rock or Vin Diesel or whoever is not one of your key kind of, you know, focus points, let's move over to Chris Hemsworth instead, indeed. playing James Hunt. Yeah, indeed. Well, that's the thing, <laughs> good, isn't it? Good old Thrupton. Because it's about, yeah. it's about that casting. It's about, it's about the relationship between uh, James Hunt and Nicky Lauder. And, of course, Hunt yes. is played by Hemsworth with that wonderful faux British Australian accent that he does. And uh, uh, Nicky Lauder, as played here by Daniel Bruhl. And this is the... This is the role I think that, that really shot Daniel Bruhl into the uh, into the mainstream. This I think he directly got the the bad guy role in Captain America: Civil War out of this movie. I think that was the thing that happened. Yeah. My name is Nicky Lauda, and racing people know me for two things. The first is my rivalry with him. What about Hunt? Has he changed? No, he's going on with I don't know why it became such a big thing. We were just drivers, busting each other's balls. To me, this is perfectly normal, but other people saw it differently. That whatever it was between us went deeper. And I love, like, the, the idea behind this movie, the, the concept of, you know, I suppose our generation missed the whole kind of James Hunt uh, th- uh, phenomenon mm. that was happening and that rivalry with Nicky Lauda as well so it's really great to look back on what happened between them between the motor racing season and it's one of those watches that I think is um, you know it, it's a character study as much as it is the action and adventure as well and of course Daniel Brühl absolutely nails it as Lauda I'd say he fares better I think than Hemsworth as Hunt uh, Hunt's very yeah. he, he plays it very well and everything but I think it is more Lauda's story than it is James Hunt's. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, do you know what? I, I have to say, I'm not I'm not a big fan of motor racing, just generally. I do, it doesn't interest me to watch it as a sport on TV. But watching this movie, you know, there are other great motor racing movies that when you capture that kind of adrenaline, excitement and rivalry, mm. it actually gets you so excited about it. And I think Rush is one of those movies in which you really get that kind of adrenaline rush feeling as you're watching it through. Because it's a true story as well. This stuff of happened. Course, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Directed by uh, Ron Howard as well, worth, uh, worth noting uh, every time. And I believe the script, because I think I attended a Q&A with him when this was out, uh, is by Peter Morgan, you know, prestige writer. Oh, who's brought the us, great 
yeah. Piers Morgan. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. I mean, I can't remember how this fared kind of on awards season, but oh, not it at was all. certainly did well at the box office. And I think there was a lot of fans that enjoyed this. So it was out in 2013. If you haven't seen it when it came out in the cinemas, it's a good film to watch. You can catch that again Sunday night, film for 11:05 p.m. Perfect. And let's go. Should we go a little more comedic for for Mondays? I got one of my all-time favorite comedies uh, together. I don't know if I ever told yeah. you this, but uh, I'm a very big Nick Hornby fan. It's just one of those. Oh, okay. One of those defining things about my sense of humor is I really love uh, the work of Nick Hornby. I was so disappointed to see the. Uh, oh, what was the the one where, one where they're trying to commit suicide? They made it a few years ago with Aaron Paul and Imogen Poots and Pierce Brosnan. It was terrible, terrible adaptation. But uh, I am, however, a very big fan of High Fidelity and more specifically about a boy, which is on Five Star on Monday night at 9 p.m. The story of Will Freeman, free man. A man who doesn't believe in commitment, who doesn't believe in marriage and kids, who simply wants to enjoy his life. His father left him uh, the royalty rights to a hit Christmas song, so he never has to worry about working again. He never has to worry about uh, appeasing the women in his life, because frankly, he's not going to keep them around long enough. And he has somewhat of a laissez-faire attitude to anything really long term. How would you like to be Imogen's godfather? Seriously? Seriously. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm really, really touched. But, um, you must be joking. I couldn't possibly think of a worse godfather for Imogen. You know what I'm like, I'll drop her on her head at her christening. I'll forget all her birthdays until her 18th when I'll take her out and get her drunk and possibly, let's face it, you know, try and her. Well, no, I, I just thought you had hidden to as well. Oh, no, 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 you've always had that wrong. I really am this shallow. And that's why you would never ask me to be a godparent as well. So, <laughs> but of course, the whole thing I... is Nicholas Holt in this because he's the little boy who comes into his life and they sort of become friends and that's the, the shtick, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and I'll never forget when they sing Killing Me Softly oh. at the piano. Um, it's just so painfully funny to watch. But there's there's so many great elements about this movie. Tony Collette in it is fantastic as, as the young boy's mother oh, totally. in this. We've got um, Hugh Grant is brilliant as um as the grumpy man that never has to work a day in his life and doesn't he gives zero whatevers about anything really yeah. and to be honest you know i think when you come out of seeing hugh grant in that kind of time frame playing those romantic leads mm. those kind of jolly rom-com because it was quite subversive like yeah. yeah it really was and i think it was really good to show his diversity as an actor in this as well classic moments also lovely little parts of rachel weiss in here as well so there's a really good collection of actors doing really good stuff on this a great debut from nicholas holt and i really enjoyed it i have to say i was actually working in telly at the time yeah. when this came out and was lucky enough to meet all of the cast as they came in so Nicholas Holt when he was barely up to my knees <laughs> I met and now look at him now I'm so proud <laughs> but that is about a boy that is on Monday five star nine o'clock if you haven't seen it before go and check it out it's one of those ones that give you those nice like warm fuzzy feelings inside indeed and now a segment we like to call off screen pays the bills hi Bex oh hi Van yes we do have bills to pay it's still that time of the year ain't nothing going on but the rent as you know now more than ever <laughs> so uh, we need to take a minute and thank our sponsors for this week so this episode is being brought to you by Let's Get Checked uh, the leading provider of at home health tests are you looking to improve your sexual health with Let's Get Checked you can do a simple at home health test that will give you a complete picture of your hormonal health in just five days did you know that 80% of sexually transmitted 
transmitted infections are asymptomatic. Wow, I did not know that. But actually, isn't it, if they do show up, they occur within the first two weeks of infection, though? There you go. So, sexual health is important for there loads of reasons, uh, especially if uh, you're sexually active, you have unprotected sex, you're experiencing symptoms of sexually transmitted infection, you're entering into a new sexual relationship, like, do you diligence, people? Um, you know, you've received a notification from a previous partner that they've got something, because, you know, this stuff can be dormant for years and, you know, take weeks or, you know, prolonged period of time to become detectable. And, of course, some of the main symptoms of sexually transmitted infections are painful urination, pain during sexual intercourse, rash on the genitals and or anus, itching or irritation on the genitals and or anus, unusual lumps or bumps around the genitals and or anus. A lot of, lot of focus in that region, I would say. Uh, changing colour, uh, the male or female discharge, abnormal discharge in terms of smell, consistency, volume, strong vaginal odour, painful erections. Um, basically, there is a kit that solves all of this, that just tells you everything you need to know. So, process is very simple. There is a test delivered right to your door. You have to self-collect uh, your blood sample from the tip of your fingers, which is like a blood drop on the end of your finger. Uh, you mail the sample back to their accredited laboratories, which come uh, with a prepaid uh, label. You just put that on there and send it in. And then you get support and guidance from the Let's Get Checked medical team, who are then available 24-7 to offer you their personal advice and everything you need to know about your hormonal health. So this week, Let's Get Checked wants to invite you to join their community with 20% off if you just use the code OFFSCREEN20. And you know what they say? It's good to know. It really is. But that's not all. We're also sponsored this week by Shudder, the premium video service brought to you by AMC. And uh, they offer just this unbeatable selection of expertly curated horror movies, supernatural movies, thrillers, uncut, commercial-free, like exclusive original stuff that you literally cannot find anywhere else. They've got some serious exclusives on there. Movies like uh, Three from Hell, uh, latest movie from Rob Zombie that finishes off the Devil's Rejects uh, series. That's on there. One Cut of the Dead. That was really huge, really buzzy last year. And and uh, Mandy with Nicolas Cage with the chainsaw fight. You know, I was a big fan of that. And uh, you can stream these only on uh, on Shudder, which has, you know, say, uh, just a human curated uh, library. Like, there's no algorithms involved. They've actually got horror fans choosing the movies for this. You can stream for five ninety nine a month or fifty six ninety nine a year. Uh, there's loads of stuff. You can stream it all ad-free on whatever devices uh, it's available on, which is basically everything. So that's like your iPhone, your iPad, your Apple TV, your, your Xbox, your PlayStation, your, your Google Chrome. Chromecast, your Roku, whatever Android device you've got, it's on there. Like I say, this is just stuff that you can't find anywhere else. There's a great series on there at the moment called Cursed Films, which is the uh, the true stories behind the productions of famous horror films. Absolutely worth checking out. Cannot recommend highly enough. You know I live with a big horror fanatic, and he's been all over this since we installed it. We watched Revenge on there last week, which was awesome. Uh, so you can get started streaming all of this stuff on there. Uh, try it free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com, use the promo code off screen. So that's shudder.com, S H U double D E R, shudder like you're frightened. Dot com forward slash off screen. And we're back again with more movies on TV for you guys to enjoy. So we've got the second half of the week coming up for you right now, kicking off with your Tuesday pick, which is a Wes Anderson classic and actually something that opened him up to an even wider audience. It is, of course, the Grand Budapest Hotel on Film 4 at 9pm. Van, did you enjoy this movie? I absolutely love the Grand Budapest Hotel. It is, hands down, my uh, favourite of the Wes Anderson films. Uh, This and Rushmore, I believe, I would say my favourites. I also quite like I Love Dogs. Uh, Wes Anderson has been uh, in the sort of topical realm this week because uh, a young lady on uh, TikTok has produced a video, the Wes Anderson Guide to Lockdown. 
and it is an instruction video for lockdown created in the style of a Wes Anderson. Oh, book. amazing! Abs- and it owes a lot. It owes a great debt specifically to the Grand Budapest Hotel. So if you've seen that video and you don't quite get it, you've got to watch this movie first. Which is, of course, this is the story of is it Monsieur uh, Gustave? I believe the uh, yes. The yes. concierge of the Grand Budapest Hotel. He's played by Ray Fiennes. Uh, he forms a friendship with a new lobby boy named Zero. And the pair embark on an adventure that sees them put in prison, having to break out. And just this great World War II era European romp in the very unique singular style of Wes Anderson. But of course, my favourite bit in it is, uh, other than uh, Ray Fiennes' brilliant comedic run from the police, is, is none other than the job interview. You're now going to be officially interviewed. Should I go and light the candle first, sir? What? No. Experience. Hotel Kinski, kitchen boy, six months. Hotel Berlitz, Mop and Broomboy, three months. Before that, I was a skillet scrubber. Experience in the zero. Thank you again, Mr. Gustav. Straighten that cap, Anatole. The pleasure's mine, Herr Schneider. Mr. Asbusters. These are not acceptable. I fully agree. Education. I studied reading and spelling. I started my primary school. I almost finished. Education, zero. Now it's exploded. Good morning, Cicero. Call the goddamn plumber. This afternoon, Monsieur Gustav. Will that fail for our leave? What on the hell is this? Not now. Family. I'm a very big fan of this movie. I think it's a really great flick. Yeah, I have to agree. I struggled with Wes Anderson on certain things. Like I didn't like the Royal Tenenbaums, uh, Life Aquatic, stuff like mm. that. Didn't really work for me. And I went to go and watch this on a whim and thought, oh, it might be quite interesting. And I have to say, I just fell in love with that because... I think the colours visually, the kind of stop motion mm. feel to the live action is amazing yeah. within it. And Ray Fiennes doing comedy. He needs to do more comedy. He really He's does. brilliant at it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different elements. The thing that he does really well, apart from obviously the visuals, is Wes Anderson can bring a fantastic cast of actors together. Oh, God, yeah. To, re- to really make them work in a way that you don't expect. That's so- and with that in mind, like Tilda Swinton, people like that who are quirky just bring that additional quirkiness to them and for me i think that's what really works well in this it's colorful it's funny it's fun it's well acted and it's so wes anderson whether so whether or not you are a fan of his work or not this is the movie that i think almost becomes the most commercial movie for wes anderson it's what you say about the the, the the cast and yes i absolutely agree this is i think the commercial one for wes anderson but i couldn't yeah. incidentally i couldn't remember it was tony revelori from spider-man who plays uh, zero but like you say about the cast because nobody could remember this list of names this is an absolutely epic list there's too many to remember mm. so f murray abraham uh, matthew amalric adrian brody willem defoe jeff goldblum harvey keitel jude law edward norton bill murray saoirse ronan leia sadu tom wilkinson uh, owen wilson Tilda Swinton, Jason Schwartzman. That's a hell of a... Fisher Stevens turns up in this. Remember Fisher Stevens? Yeah. And you're also, what you're seeing as well, as a, a trend in kind of sim, the same actors reappearing mm. in Wes Anderson. His troop. Adrian, Bo- Adrian Brody. Mm. Yeah, his troop. Tilda Swinton. Ed Norton to, um, to an extent as well. But also, I just think Saoirse Ronan is cropping up. She's in the, the latest Wes Anderson movie as well. And I just think, you know, seeing them again, you know the calibre of acting that you're going to get from this and the style. And so if you haven't seen a Wes Anderson film, uh, film before, this is the one to check out. It's on Tuesday, film four, 9pm. Make sure you watch it. Now, let's get dark. Let's get deep. <laughs> let's get into that kind of mindset of Donny Brasco. So this is the Sony movies, 11.05pm on Wednesday. I mean, this is a film that I think 
all of us will have watched at least once or twice oh, I've watched in our it lifetime. More, way more than twice. I love me some <laughs> Donnie Brasco. Interesting thing. Did you know that Donnie Brasco is directed by Mike Newell, who directed Four Weddings and a Funeral? What? That no, is I did not absolutely know that. true. So Donnie Brasco, which is, I think, based on a true story, is... Uh, about an undercover yeah. FBI agent named Joe Pistone, who's played by uh, Johnny Depp. This is back when Johnny Depp was the most interesting actor in the world. So otherwise otherwise known as the 90s. You know, before he sold out and started making goddamn theme park movies. 1997, to be exact. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, he goes undercover as sort of the, 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 the best friend to a sort of faded, reasonably upper-middle-level, uh, but otherwise sort of parodied and not taken very seriously mobster known as Lefty, who's played by Al Pacino in full ah mode. And of course it's the <laughs> friendship between the two that grows grows more and more intertwined. They become closer and closer as the years go by. And of course it all starts to take a toll on Joe's marriage, his relationship with his wife, his children. He gets to see less and less as his mob life becomes more and more high profile. He starts to ascend through the ranks. It's a classic. There's so many great lines in this. I mean, I, I, I'm still yeah, quoting this film to this day. Yeah, and also it's got one of my favourite actresses kind of from the 90s in it, Anne, Anne Hesch, who oh, yeah. um, I just think is so strong in everything she does. It also has a great supporting cast as well with Michael Madsen in there. Mm -hmm. People that you don't expect to pop up, it does. It kind of turns the mob genre a little bit on its head. It makes it more interesting to watch because I think around that time and kind of late 80s into the 90s, you've got loads of these kind of mob movies and to really kind of, totally. sort of do something a little bit different is the only way that you're going to kind of have that icon iconic kind of feel to it and this does that for sure and you can still revisit this like we mentioned earlier it's, it was made in 1997 I don't feel like it's dated it, at all because it's a period piece um, already anyway so I think it's set in the late yeah. 70s and early 80s isn't it yeah it is and the thing is is that again it, it's one of those movies where if you love Johnny Depp and you kind of go where has that man gone in recent years oh god I know go right. back to his back go back to his back catalogue go and watch him in his roles like Donnie Brasco here, you'll see him kind of just at his absolute best and shine. So this week is great. I, for I'm, I'm thinking, TV. I'm thinking all that incidentally about Al Pacino in this movie as well because he's brilliant in this. Mm. It's like wise guy don't yeah. carry his money in a wallet. Wise guy carry his money in a roll. You know, I love, I yeah. love all that. But yeah, so that's Sony movies. It's five past eleven on Wednesday night. It's that's a good, that's a good midweek movie, Donnie Brasco. I think a really great one. Absolutely, yeah. Now something for I suppose a slightly older audience, which is a slower film, enjoyable to to an extent, I think, um, and an easy film to watch. Is on Thursday. It's on Film Four at nine o'clock. It's called A Walk in the Woods, and I'm really pleased that I managed to pronounce <laughs> this trail correctly. The uh, Appalachian Trail the Appalachian is what it's based trail. around. So I think yes. this is. I think it's based on a non-fiction book by Bill Bryson, and yes, uh, my, my ex-girlfriend's yeah. uncle was really into this, uh, into the work of Bill Bryson. So I remember him telling me a lot about this, um, and obviously I saw the film, and he was very excited about it. Um, it stars. Robert Redford as a fictionalised take on Bill Bryson, who decides he wants to walk the Appalachian Trail and he teams up with a sort of estranged, lifelong friend, played by grizzled old Nick Nolte, to go with him. And of course, you can imagine that you've got Bill Bryson, the erudite, you know, sophisticated man, you've got Nick Nolte there, grizzly man. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, just to prove that I'm not, just to prove that I'm absolutely doing that impression justice, have a listen. Are we hiking or strolling? Well, is this a race? You're trying to do 11 miles. Slow and steady, pal. You want to burn out your legs? Go ahead. Oh, It'd be nice to get there before midnight. Yeah, well... There we go. <coughs> that would be nice. Go ahead, help yourselves. 
jeez. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> he's, the, he's the man you hire when you want to outgrizzle Tommy Lee Jones. And that's how it works. Yeah, that's all right. And I love the kind of chalk and cheese factor mm, to the pair of them, because I think that's what... It would be a very dull movie if it, it didn't have that to it. So, if you know, if you're a fan of Robert Redford, you're a fan of Nick Nolte, but you've never seen them, how, how they could possibly work together, yeah. this is kind of the way to do it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a gentle movie. It's, it's, it's a funny, movie it's very funny. It is funny, but it's, it's like chuckle funny as opposed mm. to belly laughs funny. It's not slapstick in any way, but it's interesting to think that watching a guy want to walk an incredibly famous trail in the US yeah. and something that probably is just basically set in the woods is actually interesting enough to watch. And that's why I said at the beginning, you'll enjoy this to an extent because it's not going to be for everyone. Mm. I feel like it's an older generation movie in some respects. Was it the Appalachian Trail that Reese Witherspoon went went down in the movie Wild as well? Yeah, was that the same, yeah, same I, one? I have a feeling that is. I mm. don't don't uh, quote me on that, <laughs> but I do feel like it is. It's a very, very famous trail. Famous Lots trail, of people yeah. like to walk it. Okay, so last, last <laughs> one for the week then, because, you know, Friday night's the night to party, and there's only one movie I go to every time I want to get my rocks off, and that's, of course, none other than Van Wilder. Party Liaison, which is showing at, uh, at 11 o'clock Friday night on Five Star. You know I adore this movie. We've talked about it once or twice in the past. Uh, Van Wilder, the seven-year college senior, seventh-year senior, as he refers to himself, um, who has been cut off by his father and now has to actually earn money to stay in his beloved college and graduate, while simultaneously being interviewed uh, by an overzealous university reporter played by Tara Reid, because this movie is so old that Tara Reid still had credibility. And, uh, you know what, here's some Ryan Reynolds. All right. Hey, Gwen, all right. You're just in time. Take your clothes off. I'm not taking off my clothes. Uh, well, it is the naked mile run. Everybody else is in their birthday suit. Except that guy. Um, I, I have a few questions for you. In time. This is going to be fun. You know that three-letter word starts with F? So you're quite the campus man heading events like the Jaeger Olympics. Oh, yes. Well, you know, you haven't lived until you shot what it blitzed on Jaeger. Heine? This was a really bad idea. I'm leaving. Hey, are we going to reschedule or what? He's so charming, that Van Wilder, isn't he? Do you know what? Uh, we had a Van Wilder at our university. He just wasn't looking like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> but he was that guy. That was that. He was that guy who never left. Uh, he was there five years too long wow. for what he should have been. Yeah, I know. And it's quite, there's like that kind of um, feeling where you're like, yeah, this guy knows everything and he's like the coolest guy. But then actually you're like, oh my God, that's so sad. I think that's Why how, can't I th you just leave? I think that's how my uni actually got lecturers. They were just students who hadn't left. But, <laughs> but anyway, that's enough about Sheffield Helm. Beside the point, uh, this movie, great fun. Uh, big fan of Cal Penn in there. Um, Colossus, the bulldog, there's a, of course, an iconic sequence involving chocolate eclairs that will haunt me until the day I die. And, uh, I'm, and I'm still, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I've, I've worked on it with therapists and I'm still not quite over how much I fancied Tara Reid in this film when it came out. Still kind of do. Well, it was in her, she, she was at her peak in she, she this. Was, this is like... She was at her peak. Yeah, this, this, was, like... this was before the pepperoni. That's what that was. But uh, There we go. Yeah. So a long, long time ago. But it's still a very funny movie. It still holds up as well, actually. It's uh, still pretty damn funny even by today's time. It's not like American Pie where you watch it and you think, ooh, that's problematic now. 
No, that could never be made now. No, no, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, again, it's, I love it when a movie doesn't age and people still keep it alive with its legacy because we're still enjoying it as much as we did before and you can probably introduce this to new people as well. So it rounds off a pretty solid week of movies on TV. I mean, have you got a big pick that you think is uh, one definitely worth watching uh, across the whole week? I mean, Van Wilder for me every time. I'll always watch Van Wilder. I'll watch, I watch hell, I'll stop this. I'll watch Van Wilder right now. But uh, <laughs> a movie so great, nice. a movie so great that it's just an offhand bonus thing that it gave the world Sophia Bush as well. Nice. Back for one last ride, but this time we'll keep you on that couch and hit you up with some DVD and Blu-ray releases. So, Miss Perfect, uh, we've got a couple of couple of pretty hefty titles uh, landing on DVD shelves uh, this week. Do you want to have a chat about 1917? I believe you were a fan of 1917, as I was. I was a fan of it. I'd be interested to see how this translates onto the small screen. Pretty well. Because this... Ah, okay. Pretty well, to be fair, to be fair to it. Yeah, because I, I think you know there there are movies like this, like Gravity, things like that that I always worry about <laughs> because they were such cinematic, like IMAX experiences. Dunkirk, mm, another one. You yes. kind of go, I we saw it in its absolute kind of most joyous way to watch a movie like this and actually what we're doing is seeing it on a much more condensed version is it going to live up to expectations I'm glad to hear that it does it's obviously it's it's a story that's very close to the director Sam Mendes it's based on some memoirs from his own grandfather who fought in World War One, and it's about essentially two young male soldiers who are sent on a task to deliver a message to, to, to the front line to essentially say, don't do it, don't go forward, it's a trap, and it's their journey that we're following. The second are due to attack the line shortly after dawn tomorrow. They have no idea what they're in for. And we can't warn them. As a parting gift, the enemy cut all our telephone lines. Your orders are to get to the second at Kwasi Wood, one mile southeast of the town of Lacust. Deliver this to Colonel Mackenzie. It is a direct order to call off tomorrow morning's attack. If you don't, it will be a massacre. We will lose two battalions, 1,600 men, your brother among them. You think you can get there in time? Yes, sir. And with that, I think, you know, George Mackay, we have to say, if there was ever a leading man performance in this, it's, it's got to be for him. It's, I it's think just, so. He's definitely uh, the lead, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and I think he does it so well that it's it's that every man and kind of feeling that vulnerability as a young, you know, I suppose a young 20-something man who's being put into something that through propaganda isn't what you expected. And there's some real heart-in-the-mouth moments well, in this that get you yeah, that's kind of excited. Because when we, when we, we covered this a lot, because obviously it was such a forerunner for the Oscars this year, and obviously we did two shows on Oscar night together, you and I, uh, so we did a lot yeah. of talking about 1917 and Parasite this year. Um, obviously, I wasn't a big fan of the, of the two lead performances. However, I do think the film is very good um having said that there is one scene like you say about the young men in over their heads you know there's a great scene very early on in which i think he eats a bit of a sandwich or something in front of him and there's just this wonderful exchange between the two talking about uh, you know getting their laundry done and where they could get a bit of bread and jam and things like that and it's just a wonderful little moment at the start of this rollicking video game like call of duty world war one adventure which yeah. really does look like nothing else you've ever seen no and that's the whole point of it you know the real thing that made you gasp with excitement and anticipation about going to see this film is the fact that it's 
gives you that point of view as if it has been taken in one shot. Mm. Okay, so I sat there and I'm annoyed that I did this, but I couldn't help it. I was looking for the cut points. I found three, I think, within it. And I was, uh, that distracted me from what actually you need to do, which is completely and fully immerse yourself in this. There are moments, like I said, where your heart will be in your mouth. And those kind of moments, there's a sequence where they go into a, um, a trench. Oh, yes. And where, where the enemy have deserted and essentially it's booby-trapped. So it's those moments, how they get out of that, how do they move forward on their quest? Because it is, it's a quest movie. That's all it is. It's just getting to that goal at the end point and you're just willing these people to do it. And it's along the way, there's a hell of a lot of casualties and you kind of just see all that play out. I love the fact that, well, I have a love-hate relationship with the fact that they bring in a lot of famous names. Oh, no, as I can't, that's a prerequisite of the war genre. I think it's the same Private Ryan thing of mm. we need to get the big cameos in. That's kind of what sells this kind of film. But look at the cast they get. They didn't get megastars, to be fair to them. They have gotten effectively British prestige actors to fill these. Also, it is people like Mark Strong and it is people like Benedict Cumberbatch and it is people like Andrew Scott. And you think, okay, that is an interesting level to cast this on. Whereas, you know, the Spielberg equivalent is let's go and get Ted Danson, let's go and get Nathan Fillion, let's you know that that kind of idea. But it works on it works for the adjusted scale, I think. So I was a big fan, and That's good. if you've not seen right. it, you'll be able to to experience it on on home platforms. I watched it home with my mum, and uh, she was absolutely blown away. So I was uh, I was impressed well, that the film go. still That's... had that resonance on a forty two inch screen rather than a you know however big an IMAX screen is. But, uh... No, that is good to know. Um, and again, another another movie that's coming out this week on Monday, we talked about it a lot last week, was Bombshell. Um, Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie. You will always be, I suppose, disturbed by that scene With in it, man, won't you, as all of yeah. us are. That scene. That yeah, scene. anyone that's watched it will know. Yes. <laughs> um, powerful stuff. Yeah, very, very tense. Um, powerful stuff. Again, another true story, very Me Too movement based. If this is something that you haven't seen before, you're going to be able to do that on DVD and Blu-ray from Monday as well. So make sure you catch that and catch the full review of what we thought of it on last week's podcast as well. So moving on to streaming. Yeah, so streaming this next week, we've got uh, this one. This was meant to go theatrical, I believe. And then we had the lockdown and this was one of the first affected releases. So what actually happened with this release is... Uh, instead, it got picked up by Netflix. It's bypassing theatrical entirely. It's going to streaming platforms. And that is, of course, The Lovebirds, starring Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae. Issa Rae obviously recently turned up in, was it Little, I think? The movie Little? With the. Oh, okay. I think it was, was it uh, Regina Hall or Taraji P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Became yeah. a little girl. And yeah, she was the sort of put upon uh, personal assistant. And of course, she's known for that show Insecure as well. I'm quite a fan of uh, Issa Rae. I saw her in something else recently. I thought she was great. Uh, oh, the photograph. The photograph with Lakeith Stanfield. She was in that, and she was great in that as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing her here in in a role in which she is the uh, the girl. She was the love interest of Kumail Nanjiani. They've been in a relationship for some time. Uh, they're just a sort of standard bickering couple. And, uh, well, they get framed for murder and have to come up with an inventive solution. around. It kind of reminds you of uh, Date Night with Steve Carell and Tina Fey. Imagine that, but with actual murder. Or so f- We just need to find the guy the police are looking for. Do you suggest we actually go out there and solve a murder? It's locked. Did you think it was one of those men-only doors? I was walking the sky 
All we need is a name, and then we're in the clear. Hey man, it's been a minute. <laughs> Who the f are you? <laughs> lot of cursing in that, not gonna lie, a lot of cursing. Very difficult to find a clip. Very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. Well done for the effort. And that is on Netflix from Friday, May 22nd. I think, again, you know, considering that we are in lockdown right now, we're still mm. finding that there are a, such a great selection of movies across the board that you can check out. And it's a great opportunity for you to see things that you probably wouldn't normally go to the cinema to see. So our digital collection right at the beginning of the podcast, I suppose is a good example of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Rebel in the Rye finally getting a release is, I think, you know, it's a good thing because it was needed. I've been sat on the shelf for a while and I had wondered what had become of that film, to be honest. It was like uh, Billionaire Boys Club. They were both films yeah. that had been done with Kevin Spacey and then obviously Kevin Spacey, Me Too, around that kind shelved. of time. And yeah. then they kind of sat on the shelf. But Billionaire's Boy, Billionaire Boys Club did actually get a theatrical release about 20 minutes after the Kevin Spacey scandal came out. And its foreign investors behind it did actually announce, we don't care, people will see this movie. They're going to see it. What are they going to do, not see the new Kevin Spacey movie? You're like, yes, apparently that is what they'll do. They will not see the new Kevin Spacey movie. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is very very. They nice. called our bluff, um, and they were found wanting. They, yeah. <laughs> so, listen, we're going to keep you guys on the couch again next week. Uh, there's going to be loads more movies that you guys can watch from lockdown. So, do not worry. We will keep you entertained with more movie news and reviews as and when it comes through. So, stick with us. This is off screen. I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we'll be seeing you again next week. <laughs> 